BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And you are listening to SupDoc. Yeah, and today we're doing a watch or not format episode. It's just going to be Paco and I talking about some stuff we both watched and some stuff that I skipped. Uh, we'll we'll tell you whether or not to watch it. Basically, it's going to be a little more like consumer review advice. We don't like the word review, though. What do we like? Recap. Recommend. Recommend. Yeah. Yeah. This is more of like a recommend thing. That's what we want to, we want to be able to recommend uh, docs to people um, so that, you know, you don't have to waste your time. I mean, if you trust us and you should, then, you know, you don't have to waste your time. We've done like a lot of, it's like when you would, uh, people used to buy like, you know, cliff notes in college or take class notes so you wouldn't have to go. I remember people doing this. Uh, so we're kind of doing that for you. We're cramming a bunch <laughs> of content in our in our content holes. Yeah, processing. We're like content foie gras being produced in our livers right now for you. Huh? We're Interesting. It for you. Yeah, like a like a yeah, like foie gras. Force feeding. Have you the ever had? Feeding. Have you ever had foie gras? I feel like I did a long time ago, but also like, have you ever had goose? Yes. This is a goose review show now. Yeah, I, I've I've had goose like once in my life, and I keep I just think about it every couple months. I'm like, damn, Whoa. I ate goose. Right. It was like the fattest duck. Yeah, it's very like they're very fatty. Duck. It's a turkey oh duck. It's what it is. It's a turkey duck. It's a big fat turkey duck. Speaking of turkey ducks, <laughs> framing Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. Great sad. Segue. Great segue. Thank very you. Sad. Sad. So sad. Didn't know. I love, dude, George, you don't know this about me. And I've known you forever. And we've been doing this show for almost, fuck, six years. Nearly, yeah. Oh, fuck. Really? Is it almost I six know. years? It, time really slipped by us. Oh, Just no. Just like <laughs> Britney Spears' career. No, um, are you, are you, what are you, what's your I love Britney. I've you? always loved Britney. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've always loved Britney. Um, I, I'm fascinated with people that are, I feel I like went through the grooming machine of Hollywood and made it out somewhat alive. Like that stuff always fascinates me. And I mean, she went through hell a lot, but like she made it out to the other side, you know, like it's kind of interesting to me. I mean, you start off at six and then you're 46 and still doing it and people still love you. That's a, that means something. Yeah. Uh, this is a by presented by the New York times. This is part of a series they're, they've done a bunch of different ones. The only other one I really knew about was the Breonna Taylor one they'd done. So, yeah, they're all with uh, Times journalists. Liz Day, I guess, was covering this Britney beat for a while. Uh, there's comedians that we know are in this doc. Apparently, uh, Babs Gray and Tess Barker had a podcast about Britney's Instagram and kind of broke the story in a way. <laughs> uh, from what from what I know, it's like they they did all the deep dives into the Instagram and uh, 
it was pretty funny just seeing them pop up on screen. Also, a past guest of ours, Eric Stoyer, was apparently, he told this story on Facebook. He was just in a restaurant. Brittany came in and like the paparazzi were was hounding her. And he just sort of like sat there and the owner asked him to stay. So he kind of, his body could kind of block her uh. paparazzi. And he just said, I'm sorry. And she's just like, thanks. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, crazy story there. Um, yeah, this was uh, really eye-opening. Uh, talks a lot about the general like misogyny of the media as a whole and yeah. things that we you know, should have been warning signs. Like when uh, Ed McMahon is like asked to be a boyfriend when you're a child. That's uh, just... Stuff it's like that. wrong, just wrong and creepy and weird. And like, yeah, it's so it's, but you don't, it's really, really incredible when it's all put together like that, because you're like, when you see it in a holistic kind of overview mm -hmm. and just how incredibly horrible that is to do to obviously a very bright and talented young person to be like, I'm just going to define you by your gender and ask mm -hmm. you like, like fifties kitchen questions, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. No. She's um she so did you know a lot about the conservatorship issue before watching this? A little bit, not to yeah. this extent. Yeah, I mean I knew a little bit about it, but not not to the extent that they get into. Did you? Yeah. Uh, I I only knew the general outline that her father was in charge of her finances and I I don't know if that's just full on like power of attorney essentially. Um it really makes a case it's like she's like at whatever was going on with her when the initial thing started, uh, she, you know, she's working like the fact that they're talking about like doing conservatorship as a business or like it's, it's this business that owns her and yeah. all she wants is like a neutral party to own her and not her father to own her, which is still kind of uh, bizarre when you think about it. It's just like, I'm okay. I, it's fine that I don't have the full rights of a, of a human being right. and a citizen in America, but I'd prefer it be a bureaucrat who has my interest at heart because the bureaucrat's interest is just making money, whereas my father also wants to control me and make money. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, an unheard of um, story in Hollywood of manipulation, control, and people wanting to get their hands on your finances. You know, it's like it's happened so much. Brian Wilson comes to mind. Oh, um, man. Did you watch I Care A Lot, which is a fiction film, uh, but it's also roughly about, in a way, like people becoming like wards, like court-appointed wards. It's about senior abuse, essentially. Um, it's it's a similar... It made me think of this as well as I was watching it, just like people's uh, legal rights kind of being taken away for yeah. mental incompetence. Um, what's, your, what's your background with Brittany? Um, I, you know, first heard about her probably in, you know, the late 99 or 2000, uh, didn't know much about it. Uh, just, yeah, I, I think I was kind of of the mind that like it, someone who is a very successful pop star was not, just not my bag. So I didn't really give her much thought, but this time when she was having, you know, like shaving her head and attacking the paparazzi, um, and or her, she got kind of lumped in with this thing. With they showed it in there when she's lumped in with like Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton. Like I didn't feel a lot of empathy for this person who was like a multimillionaire. Right. So I didn't really, you know, think about it too much. 
when I think about the, when I looking at all the footage put together or even like, was it Diane Sawyer who came at her with some really like, yeah. Pretty like sexist questions. Horrible. Oh man. It's like yeah. why why did you leave Justin? What what was oh. it about you that made him want to throw you away? Like, fuck you, Diane Sawyer. Yeah, like I also didn't care much about Justin Timberlake, so I didn't even know that whole dynamic about him like doing this video that was like trying to like throw her yeah. on her bus and stuff. Yeah, his did you see his apology he put out yeah, the other day? Yeah. Just like someone said, I think it was like on SNL, they made a joke about how it was like the notes app. He just wrote it in the notes app on his phone. Oh, my God. Like, like when you care enough to use the notes app. Um, well, his assistant did. <laughs> right. Yeah. He phrased it for him. Yeah. He's uh, dictating in his like convertible Camaro on a highway in Miami. Put out yeah. this apology I mean, for me. <laughs> I definitely feel like. Uh, uh, there's some stuff that just didn't, there, obviously she has like private medical stuff that they didn't get into or that people that were interviewed were just like, I'm not going to show you any private medical stuff. But then there was like that lawyer who was like, yeah, I was trying to, you know, fight this and they didn't show me any, any paper of the paperwork behind it. Um, seems like whatever issues, she, yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. It is weird to think that like, is this about conservatorship? As a whole, or just people that care about their pop star, mm-hmm. That's, that is kind of like a weird side thing to to watching this. It's like, well, if it's gonna get people to think about this issue broadly, that's one thing. But it's kind of like when there's just like, it's just kind of so focused on this very unique situation, right? Um, it's like how you know it's still useful because it sort of builds up like. These child stars, these pop stars that sort of like suffer on our behalf or like for us, or we made basically made them into this thing. We made them into like the royals. Yeah. We made them into like our uh, sacrificial celebrities. Right. Uh, absolutely. That's absolutely right. It's so sick what we do to celebrities. And like my entire life, I've always wanted to be famous and to be rich and famous as an actor and a comedian. And like I see shit like that, I'm just like, ugh. That's just, just I'd, I would hate it. I mean, that would, that's horrible. I mean, it does feel gendered. I mean, I don't know that it would happen to you or I in the same well, way. Well, that's true. As that middle-aged men. Well, I mean, we have to go, if we're going to fantasize, we have to really yeah, sure, com- go back. Like, yeah, if I was a child com- prodigy. If we'd have to complete the fantasy picture of not right. us being us now. <laughs> no, you know, like, I'd have one guy named Dennis taking a picture with like some Polaroid. You know, I mean, I feel like you hung out with a child star who, you know, had, had ran a ran. I've read, I have hung out with a couple, man. Neil oh, Patrick yeah. Harris, uh, <laughs> Dustin Diamond. I've I've hung out with a couple child stars. Yeah, to to escape unscathed from that, you seem to like. Uh, I think Mara Wilson, someone who's posts a lot on Twitter, and I think she wrote a piece about this doc and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think just like getting out of that world and having like a sense of, uh, proportion, uh, not like being, having your entire ego tied into mm. show business is probably a good thing. I would yeah. say. This well, I mean, yeah. Macaulay Calkin, like there's so many tales of cautionary tales about this thing. All right. Well, great. Framing Britney Spears. You can see it on Hulu. Um, and what do you give it there, George? Do you watch it or do you not? Yeah, I'd say watch that. Uh, no matter what your level of Britney knowledge is, mine was very minimal. Uh, sounds like Paco, you knew a lot more than me, but didn't know about the situations exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, I was excited to when it came out because um, I don't know. I just all, I love all things. I follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram is is awesome. It's hilarious. She's super funny. I also say watch Framing Britney Spears. You get two watches here on Subdoc for Framing Britney Spears. All right. Speaking of um, being. Uh, in love with a object, I don't know, uh, <laughs> with something below the ocean. My octopus teacher, what'd you think? Did you love it? Um, I went in with very little knowledge about this. Uh, it's shot beautifully. Uh, the visuals are amazing. This is a South African filmmaker, cinematographer. Uh, he was like a nature filmmaker, I believe, named Craig Foster. Uh, he lives near Cape Town. He started going diving and then just started hanging out with this octopus and then he filmed it every day every filmed goddamn her, rather, day i should say like get, this is this film's very into pronouns about this octopus gendered i and i was I, for a while i was just like are, is he sure it's a female octopus right <laughs> or is he projecting because he seemed to project a lot onto this octopus he uh, did project a lot but a lot of it was i think was essential and only 20 the year that was 2020 with the pandemic and trump it's the only time you could legitimately find yourself bawling your eyes out watching a documentary about a guy and his uh, love of this uh, of an octopus i found it to be super sweet and very tender yeah, it, it definitely. I I did think like that the music cues really sold a lot of the drama because it's like all the underwater yeah chases and things like that and the tension. It's really a tension builder. I'm, and I was wondering about like how much like diegetic actual like bubbling water sounds were actually in there. Oh, that's uh, interesting. They just added all that in post. A little sweetened. It. It they might have sweetened it. Yeah, a little that, foley, a little a little octave. It's, it was. Foley. It's much better than I thought it was going to be. Actually. Oh yeah. It, it was um, something that I wanted to watch, but I wasn't like super stoked. I'm like, yeah. And I was like, Title. oh. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been better. Yeah. That's at least there's not a number in it, but my <laughs> octopus teacher is not a great title. My eight arm teacher. <laughs> my eight arm teacher that spits ink in my face. My briefly seven armed teacher. Um, <laughs> hey, no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, yeah. Why do you think? So I feel like the less, like it was a weird title. Uh, the octopus teaches him. To be a better parent somehow? I guess so, by spending no time with his family. <laughs> by spending very little time. I was like, at a certain point, hoping that the other camera on some of this was the son. I'm like, well, maybe maybe this is their quality time together. Yeah. The son's also getting into the filming. But they don't really say that at all. They could have said that. They could okay. have. Yeah. A lot of just a, a, a midlife crisis of being it, aided by wildlife. Yeah. It felt that way. It did feel that way. And I, I mean, I learned a lot of things about octopi i that i i mean i didn't know a lot of those things like they seem extremely smart you know mm -hmm. and they show emotion and they don't live long apparently yeah i was surprised by that part too yeah um and i they didn't really get into you know the giants i was surprised how small they were they're tiny I thought they were way bigger for some. Yeah, no, I think most octopus, octopi are tiny or small. And then you have like those kind of freakish large ones that live way below the surface. Yeah, well, yeah like I don't even do you know the difference between a giant squid and an octopus other than size or like suction shape or anything. I don't yeah. know. 
Yeah, they're cool animals, and I feel guilty about having eaten them in the past. But Not uh, me, because they're delicious. But but I guess you could still eat the arms and they could live. That's so, true. That yeah. is true. Yeah, that is um, true. Yeah, I'd say worth watching. I think this is on a short list for the Oscars as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's sort of... It is. It's sort of like very white white person's like like midlife crisis. I'm just like I'm just gonna go like you know nature, but then like having like I'm like how many people can have a midlife crisis where they spend a year just underwater? Not like, many. I don't think that's most people. He so he's having like they don't really get into like why he's having such a hard time or like a career crisis or just. You know, I guess it's just look, we're middle-aged men. Like yeah. I, I get I get some of it, but I get also some it's of just it. like there's a lot of like like you, you kind of like left your family a right. to to hang out with this animal. At least it wasn't his secretary, you know. At least it was this octopus that was in so Yeah. I mean, sure. I, octopus would make a great secretary though. That is say. true. They have ink. They could they, they, yeah, they exactly. could write something, but it's like refill the printer. I did. I don't need a. I don't need Hewlett Packard. Right, 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 right. I did see a like convertible Mazda Miata in his garage. Like it felt, <laughs> it, you know, it felt very like he bought a bunch of exercise equipment. He was going to get back into shape. It was a very American beauty feel to it, you know. Yeah, South African beauty. All South right, African. So that's a review of my octopus teacher. I say. Watch it for the visuals, and oh, yeah. you, you, get, you get pretty emotionally attached to this, this octopus. I like the octopus more than the guy. That's what I got to say at the end of it. Holy shit, dude. I think that's it. I think that should have been the name of it. <laughs> You'll like the octopus more than the guy. That is that's that is true. It I like it. written from the perspective of the, of the, the title should have been My Shitty Human well, Student. Get, right. Get this <laughs> fucking guy out of here. Get Someone get this guy a, a hobby. Yeah, uh, I, I liked it. I recommend it, um, and I, I thought it was beautifully shot. And I there was I thought it was very it was emotional. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I did post that I would love to see a remix of that movie where all the sound cues are are uh, Boots Randolph yakety sax. <laughs> That would fit a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of like the super dramatic, like, yeah. Yeah. That's the most emo octopus story ever. It is emo octopus. (laughs) It's imoctopus. Yeah. Um, Moving on. Speaking of. Um, and I have no death. segue for this. Speaking of death and midlife crises, uh, the crime scene, the vanishing at the CISA hotel. Oh man. Talk about where the hype does not fit the view. I feel like there hasn't been much hype. I feel like it's only been negative commentary. Well, no, but there was hype, it. hype before it came out. Yeah. yeah people, cause I follow lots of true crime, um, Instagram channels and Twitter and like people are just like, cause it's such a crazy fucking story. So everybody was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And then it was just like, Oh no, what did they do? It's so poorly made. It's crazy. Which is shocking because it's directed by Joe Berlinger, who's done some of our favorite documentaries. Yeah. And worked on so much stuff. Uh, so it, it does seem surprising. I have not dipped into this too much. I think I watched the first 10 minutes of this, and then I just had to pivot out. Uh, do they have a theory about what happened to Elisa Lam? Uh, they get into it, yeah, but it's it's they talk to crockpot or crackpot, um, would be internet sleuths, and it's fucking horrible, dude. Mm. 
I can't. I don't. I. I don't, I almost do not want to reveal what they because it's so fucking nuts what they how, what they reveal and it's all fucking conjecture and opinion and it's so dumb um, that you almost have to kind of see it, but mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous. It's this documentary is ridiculous. It was it's horribly made. I thought I don't, I get a feeling that Joe Berlinger probably wasn't around much. He probably had students that did most of the filming or something. Um, but it's 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 a multi series documentary, uh, multi parts documentary series, and it could have been one forty five minute YouTube documentary. Yeah, that's all I've heard is from multiple sources or just like the Twitter sphere. It's been like, why did I? Why did I do this? What, what did I get? You keep thinking it's going to get better. And then they're like, then we talked to this homeless alcoholic that saw her walk into a liquor store once and he's in it for like three hours talking about like, oh, I used to party at the Cecil and we used to bring broads up there. And it's like, why are we talking? And then like these two like uh, travelers from the UK are like, we want you to go to LA and we stayed at the Hotel Cecil. Where did they see her? Were they around? No, they just happened to stay there. So the, what I was thinking of uh, from reading about this and not having watched it all, uh, it kind of reminds me of Don't Fuck With Cats in that, like, the internet sleuth aspect of it. I'm like, well, that could be interesting because in Don't Fuck With Cats, those characters are, like, main drivers of right. the story. But they actually did something in Don't Fuck right. With Cats. They actually solved, solved something. Solved the case. Yeah, they, they actually solved the case. No. All they did was have conjecture and opinions, and it's, like— the, uh, it, it reminded me of like one of those docs you would see that came out of the 90s, like a two crime doc series. They came out of there where they talked to like, you know, like some like hard boiled detective that's been retired for 15 years and, you know, kind of like it. I remember when all those OJ documentaries, I'm kind of equating to those OJ documentaries. Okay. Everyone had an opinion. They're like, it was his son, it was the neighbor, it was, you know, and they Joe always. Joe Berlinger talk- kind of did that too, right? This is not what he's. His, oh, yeah. He's got a lot, always got theories and his things about oh, it. Yeah. 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 It had that kind of feel where it was just like kind of thrown, thrown together. And I don't know. It was, it's bad. It's what do you think a- happened to Alyssa Lamb then? I think she just snapped. I think she had a mental breakdown and just ended up in the water cooler or in the water tower. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she ended up, she walked out, the door closed behind her. She couldn't get back into the hotel and probably was like, what's, let me go check what's up there. And maybe she was thirsty. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe she was thirsty. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I don't know, but I would not recommend Crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. I didn't even know that hotels in downtown LA had their own water supplies. Yeah, I think it's old school, you know, but yeah. Oh, yes, it's like, yeah, LA is filled with water towers, right? Because <laughs> it's not like every movie studio had a water tower. Yeah, 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 yeah it's funny. Um, it desert at one point, yeah. And it's right there at Skid Row, apparently, which I, I went to, I, I, I've been there twice. I mean, I, you live in LA, you might have been there more than me, but. I've never been to the Cecil, I don't think, for any reason. I mean, just Skid Row, have you been to oh, that yeah, area? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been to Skid Row, yeah. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's quite mind-blowing. It's yeah. gigantic. It's weird. I mean, coming from like the Bay Area and I, being down there, I'm just like, I'm fairly used to homeless uh, encampments, but this is like, I've never seen like a full on like own separate parallel society essentially running. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty out of control. It is. It's wild. It is wild. It's sad oh. and wild. Yeah. Yep. Speaking right, of homeless, 
Speaking of homeless, uh, some might say the uh, Shane McGowan of the Pogues uh, was an expat. No, uh, uh, I I watched this film that you didn't watch this, right? Crocodile, I have not. A Few Rounds of Shane McGowan, directed by Julian Temple, came out last year. Big um, fan. Y- you are a, f- a fan of the Pogues? Oh, yeah, huge. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, a big band for me growing up. Oh, yeah. And... Um, I had seen, I remembered a documentary about Shane McGowan coming out in the early mid 2000s. And I, I was like, I, I've seen a documentary about him. And I think there's maybe some of that footage ends up in here. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, he's a fascinating dude who is very, he needs subtitles every time he's on screen. <laughs> of course. Uh, he's just kind of mumbled his way through a few on camera interviews. So it, there's there's points of this where I'm like almost convinced it's like he has one of those vocoders <laughs> that people with like a tracheotomy thing have. But um, right. no, he's uh, he's not in great shape these days. But this is um, I think must have been shot mostly 2018. Goes through the entire rise like his I, for some reason i'm like he's like what like 60 or something it's gotta they, be they show him as a child it's all black and white grainy footage and i'm just like did did he grow up in in 1900 like what <laughs> right like they they, they sort of project, and then i was reading somebody else that's like actually he was from a pretty middle class irish family so mm. like all this stuff about him growing up on this farm i, I mean i guess I don't know what bit of a fable point. Yeah, it feels like I mean, it feels like it's not subjective. I think this is very much like a about unreliable narrator uh, aspects. Uh, There's bits of animation in there. It's very fanciful. I mean, it's Julian Temple. Um, Yeah, but there is a lot of stuff I did not know about. You know, I was very curious about the actual breakup of the Pogues, Um, just like how he even rose from being moved to the UK and like basically, you know, being like this old high school drug dealer who was mm. also like, uh, I guess a brilliant literary mind and just that juxtaposition of those things. And that's right. what he's become. When you look at the life of Shane McGowan, it's sort of like addiction. It's like the genius addict kind of right. dichotomy thing that is always in, uh, you know, fiction films. and. Why do they call it Crock of Gold? What does that refer to? Uh, uh, I, you know, I can't remember. Um, I do not remember. I, either that's a lyric or it's like mm. there's a lot of stuff about like Irish poetry and like old Irish poets and like the troubles and all this stuff where it's like, oh, man, I kind of don't think about that stuff very much uh, from today's vantage point. But right. And just like also just like how much the Shane McGowan specifically, but the, uh, the Pogues also they make it they sort of talk about the creation of the Pogues and like how it was almost like and in a response to like. Paul Simon's Graceland, right? Or like this idea of like world music that was going on. And then like the way that the Irish had been beaten down so much and how like, hey, we can all, we have an indigenous music and we can mix that indigenous music with like punk and how it sort of played off this like drunken Patty, like stereotype. And it was an example of like reclaiming a slur essentially in a way. Oh, wow. Like them like being like, we're going to, like the kind of like the snottiness of punk combined with like, oh, you think we're like drunken patties and then we're going to just play that up as much as possible. Like it's very much like, yeah, like uh, almost like, yeah, like being the villain <laughs> of the story or like bu- building yourself up like in, in with this negative stereotype in a way. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, 
Yeah, and then he talks shit on Elvis Costello. It's hilarious. For some reason, Johnny Depp is like his homie in here. And oh, weird. We didn't need that. Um, oh, but right. <laughs> other than that, I mean, there's like this pretty amazing. I don't want to give away too much, but there's it. It it, it closes with like this big celebration of of Shane's life. So um, he's a he's a, a bizarre bizarre dude, and but also you just get to appreciate like how much he really cares about like Irish culture mm. and how much like the love of Ireland has like kind of driven all his creativity. So that's really, uh, my selling point on crock of gold, a few rounds with Shane McGowan. Where do you catch it? What, where's it streaming on? I think you have to just, I, we, we got a screener from our buddy, Dan Gill at force field PR. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, but yeah, you can just buy it on or rent it on, you know, your services that right. you do that from like Amazon or Apple. Or oh, whatever. cool. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Actually. Yeah. Have some drinks. I'll throw you a screener. I'll throw you the screener. Oh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate yeah. that. It may not actually, it may not work anymore. So I don't yeah. know if I can, I can those screeners are, they're, yeah. they're fickle. They're yeah. fickle, those screeners. Speaking of fickle, it's time we threw to a break. Let's be fickle. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. All right. So if you're listening to this today, March 1st, you can actually join Paco and I on MoviePast on Twitch. We're curated a bunch of documentaries and one mockumentary for yeah. you to watch. <laughs> and MoviePast, uh, they also encourage... People, so basically, it's like a Twitch stream where they just show movies all day, and people are pretty funny and leave great comments in the chat while it's happening. So it's that's an extra part of it. Yeah, it's, we can do a watch along. We've been wanting to do like what a time? watch along for a while. What uh, time? It's going to be starting 1 p.m. Pacific time. What, depending when you get this today, you may be at work, but uh, if you can log on 1 p.m. Pacific time on Monday, March 1st, we are going to be at MoviePast. Uh, it's on twitch.com. Go to the Instagram. That's what I would say. Go to the MoviePast Instagram. That's P-A-S-S-E-D. And uh, Paco, you picked some of your favorite documentaries. Mm -hmm. Marjo, which mm -hmm. I've never seen the entire Marjo, so... It'll be great to watch that. And if I can't believe you found it. a you found a GIF. 
I just Googled Marjo and there, there was, I'd seen enough of it to be like, oh, that's him as a kid. That's fine. Yeah. That's uh, nuts. Yeah. It's the only Marjo <laughs> Jeff. Yeah. Up. Um, I, you know, I love the Cane Toads documentary and we've never been able to really, it's not long enough to really, yeah, do, it doesn't make sense to do a whole episode about it. So it'll right. just be fun to watch it with other people. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest uh, nature documentaries. <laughs> the opposite of my octopus teacher, my cane toad teacher. <laughs> my cane toad teacher. It's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. So the movie passed. Uh, and that's, yeah. Bob. So that's 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, Monday, March 1st. And it's yep. through Twitch. Got it. Yeah. It's on Twitch. Um, so I watched a couple other things on HBO, uh, Paco, you did, you did not see, have you heard of fake famous at all? Uh, uh, no. Okay. So I heard an interview with Nick Bilton, who's the director of fake famous. He's I believe a New York times vanity fair writer. Uh, I think vanity fair co-produced this documentary cause Graydon Carter's name is on the production. Um, uh. So the premise of Fake Famous is he, he, uh, Nick Bilton's been researching, covering the social media space for a few years as a journalist. And he's followed stuff like the fact that like a ton of people, the most famous Instagram people have bots following them and how easy it is to buy bots. So the premise of this film is... Uh, with the budget of Vanity Fair, they are going to take three random people in Los Angeles and try to make them social media famous. Oh, wow. So he starts off, they do a big casting call of people that are actors or just random people that just want to be influencers. And they narrow it down to three people uh, that have slightly different skills and slightly different areas they're in. Uh and basically they buy them the same number of bots and then just kind of do what people do. Like, in, like you didn't see uh, jawline, but there's like a, a low budget thing where they have like this influencer house and they're just basically like, it's like the monkeys or something, but they're like creating content all day long, but uh. they're not necessarily even like planning the content. It's just like, okay, you, you're, you're going to do dance. You're going to take your shirt off. You're going to do this. Wow. So it's, they kind of recreate that scenario, but yeah. like kind of do these funny budget hack things. Like they have a old kitty pool and fill it with rose petals. So, uh, Dominique, uh, one of the, the stars can like lay in it and it, it looks like she's in this giant pool of rose petals, but it's just a kitty pool. Right. Um, they do this hilarious thing with a toilet seat. So it looks like they're on a plane. They just have like a, a, a projection of a screen. Oh uh, no. Of the sky. And they just no. hold the toilet seat in front of it. And they oh, are sitting God. there with like a glass of champagne. That's um, kind of like how it really is to fly. It's kind of like sitting in a toilet seat. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a giant latrine um, in the sky. And social media is a giant toilet seat in a way as well. That is um, true. I, uh, it's very fluffy. I'd say this is like a very fluffy f uh, way to pass an hour and a half. Um, it, you know, tries to connect what's happening with them to kind of bigger themes about social media. I don't think it really necessarily like has a coherent thesis about it, uh, especially since like basically the end of it is interrupted by COVID. So it's like, uh. it's like all these things you, they were supposed to happen for these influencers that got cut short and mm. then sort of like this 
realization like, yeah, maybe maybe it's not important to just post right. about yourself while people are dying. And yeah, no cut. shit. Yeah. yeah. And end. So, so kind of a no shit uh, ending. Uh, but I think I think it's the first thing that Nick Bilton has handled as a director. It's an interesting, it's more like a, rea- it, in it itself is a bit uh, like a reality TV mm-hmm. uh, concept. So it's almost it. like who, you know, America's next top influencer. Right. Yeah. So would you recommend people watch it? I'd say, yeah, it's like, it's, it's light enough. It feels low. St- it's the thing. It feels low stakes compared to other HBO documentaries. Right. It's not like Aaron Lee Carr taking a look at social media. Yeah. It's like very, very fluffy and, um, tells fairly obvious truths. Um, but yeah, it, it was like worth it for me. Just, I'd heard the interview with him on another podcast. So it was just like, I kind of, now that I have HBO again, we got borrowed. Thanks, uh, Lizzie for lending us your, uh, you know, we're back on HBO. So I thought I was done with it. As I, as I announced boldly at our last episode, I'm like, I'm done with HBO. You're right. Their interface sucks. I don't know why. It's horrible, dude. Yeah. I'd rather, I have more time watching the app on my phone than watching in the browser. It's horrible. It's hard to like pick. It's hard to tell it what, it you want to watch it's things are laid out horribly and it it doesn't work well i've been trying to watch some docs on hbo and i can't get the app to work uh yeah it's it's a it's a rough go i mean i had i thought i could just they should just let you watch everything on hulu if you're already paying for it anyway yeah uh this is my review of hbo uh which Uh, continues uh the next thing i was going to talk about i'm not very far into this. By the time this drops, I think there will have been a new episode of this. But I think last week, Alan versus Pharaoh just dropped. Uh, have you? Oh, heard so it's about not. This? It's not all in one. It's it's weekly. I uh, it's yeah. It's a multi like the series. Oh. Yeah. I like even this is what we're living with now. It's like everything is a commitment, right? Uh, especially marrying your daughter. That's a commitment. Uh. Uh, Alan versus Pharaoh. Uh, it's you know the first time I've seen Mia Pharaoh in a while. Actually, and I'm just fully talking about this story. Uh, part one is pretty. It, it sort of presents like how beloved Woody Allen was, and also like Mia Farrow's life, where she had like all these children that from her previous marriage and, and right. she adopted on her own. And uh, it makes you. It kind of gives you an insight into the family life because it's fully with uh, Dylan Farrow and Mia Farrow's like. Uh, participation in this film directed by Kirby Dick and Amy Ziering. Um, actually, like an old friend of mine, Miriam Bale, a uh, film writer and curator, is interviewed in this briefly. So I think oh, wow. we'll see more of Miriam as the series goes on. Uh, so, first, just sort of establishes like everyone identifying with Woody Allen and loving Woody Allen and how like he's had like an like exceptional career where he's allowed to do whatever. Uh, Unduplicable. And- and, but also, like, being allowed to – but they, that's a catch, right? He's been allowed to do whatever, and that kind of translated to being allowed to do whatever in his personal right. life. And yeah. um, uh, this one ended on, like, you know, there's a big reveal at the end uh, involving Sun Yi and really more of the story uh, from Dylan's side. And uh, I'd never seen an interview with Dylan anywhere seems like the first time she's done something on camera, this magnitude. And it's all pretty damning. Uh, again, like, it reminds me of Leaving Neverland in a way. Right. Um, it's just, you know, 
a beloved figure who used his belovedness to get away with whatever he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate uh, story. I I think there's been pushback from the Allen uh, camp. Yeah, Alan, Alan Camp. Yeah, I read um, something by Camp. One, one, one of his um, sons. Or uh-huh. I, well, there's so many. There's so many yeah. kids involved in here. I think there must be different camps because there's sort of like Sunyi must have some people on on her side of things. As and then I know Dylan and Ronan Farrow very tight as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's another fractured fairy tale. You know, it's like, don't fall in love with your heroes because they're, they can be monsters. Well, it's, it, it, I didn't realize that Woody Allen had put out a, an audio memoir or like put out a memoir like last year and they, they used the audio from the audiobook of the memoir and just like talking about meeting Mia and all this stuff. And it's just like, yeah, she was, as big of a star as he was at that point. Yeah. Sure. I mean, she was, she was huge as well. Well, not as big as Woody, but. Well, I mean, for, for known for different skill sets, rather. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. She was like, you know, she was, yeah, she, she had a fine career. Like it wasn't just like, it wasn't like the power imbalance that, that he seems to like, like it, it was a fairly, you know, equal footing in the beginning. Like they kept separate homes. Mm. They just lived across the park from each other. And oh, right. That's yeah, right. Really distinct, I forgot about that. Yeah. They kind of had this like distinct. Very life. New York. Yeah. yeah. They never were officially married at all. Um, oh, right. But yeah, it's, um, it's a rough, it's a rough tale, but, uh, it's good. It's coming out. Ronan Farrow has obviously like been kind of the, on the forefront of all right. the two stories that have been coming out in the last five years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as just watching part one, do you recommend it? I mean, it's like what, what you can stomach if you like, you know, if it's not triggering anything for you, um, it, it's, it is like, I don't know what drew me to even watching it. I was just like the curious, just kind of a, is it a morbid curiosity or just like I've read enough about this. I kind of want to see what Dylan and Mia have to say. Right. Well, and it's also for people our age, it's something we've grown up with and grew older with. It's like we grew up with Woody Allen and his influence. And then the scandal has been around forever. You know, I, I was now just thinking of connecting this to the Britney Spears thing where like when this happened, it was like sort of like late night jokes. I'm like, you know, like the, both uh, situations where people kind of like, you know, cheapened the, the reality of people's lives being pretty ruined. So I, I guess right. I'm sort of looking at this in a way where you, I don't want to, you know, look back at like things are happening now and be like, oh, remember we all took the piss out of that one person? And then 20 years later, there's a documentary about it, like, oh, I shouldn't have been so mean to that person. Uh, right. So right. there's a little bit of that thought in here as well, uh, watching this. But yeah, um, just because I, I think he's been so powerful and able to suppress uh, things legally, I think for this to come out now with the backing of HBO is a huge thing. Right, so yeah, it, it, that's pretty big. like the same with Leaving Neverland, right? Like HBO has got the power to like really turn over like these these things that have been like just papered over because people just were influential. So, yeah, well, it helps when one of them's dead, you know, but yeah, yeah. All right. So then 
the your, our last uh, documentary that we're going to look at is Can't Get You Out of My Head. Tell us about this one. All right. I'm not done with this. This is like... I think going to be like seven hours or something. Of, oh, wow. This is directed by Adam Curtis, who I first was exposed to with hypernormalization a few years ago. And he's this sort of well-known BBC filmmaker who digs into like the BBC archives, does a lot with archival footage, has this kind of voice of God narration style, and kind of just looks at power and sort of like hidden powers. And it's very weirdly conspiracy minded at the same time that he sort of takes a piss out of conspiracy theories. That's kind of, it's kind of his thing. It seems like, yeah, like it's really weird. Like I got to the point and I just watched, so I just watched part one, which is blood on wolf mountain. I'm going to do the rest. It's sort of at moments feels like homework. Uh, right. and also if, if you asked me what hypernormalization was about, uh, I could not tell you like, I, it's a tough one, but it, but it really like, there's like imagery and he does a lot with music that sticks with you. And it's just like, feels very like this nightmare dream state when you're watching his films. Um, and this one sort of ended with this thing of like, there are real conspiracy theories and there's conspiracy theories that were like the Illuminati. It was all like a prank that came out of Playboy magazine to make fun of how stupid conspiracies are. Whoa. Yeah. Like like the origin of the Illuminati thing uh is is like they thought it would be funny because it was there's no way anyone would have believed it and then it has through generations worked its way into like our imaginations as like the you know a, a interesting and sort of sets the pay, the tone for like what QAnon has become. Right. Whereas at the same time he's like, "Hey, here's some stuff about MK Ultra." That right. really happened. So, oh no! Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's it's weird. I feel like you could be either of any political persuasion and find something interesting. Where do you watch this? So it was on the BBC, and you can just I just watched on YouTube. You can just mm. watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Just look up Adam Curtis. Uh, can't get you in my head. Um, it's the subtitle is an emotional history of the modern world. Uh, it's not straight journalism. It's not straight anything. It's very like almost like weird music videos with like connections that, that are being made. Yeah. You know, they're like kind of logical jumps, but like, I like that about the films. I like the kind of free associative nature Mm. of it. It mm-hmm. makes me feel smart while I'm watching it. And then when it's over, it I'm like, what do I, I don't know what, what I, did I learn? What did I just watch? Yeah. That's how I felt with hypernormalization, which I really liked, but I was always yeah. like, what just happened? I, that's, that's one of those things. It's like one of those things that makes you feel smart while you're watching it, which is why people always compare them to like YouTube documentaries. It yeah. essentially is like a high budget YouTube documentary with music rights, right? Uh, which is important. <laughs> like his music choices are are pretty outstanding. I mean, I feel like that's 90% of the game a lot of the times. Dude, yeah, for sure. Uh, Get you somebody that knows their music. And has, like, apparently, like, just, like, has, like, all the, the B-roll of the BBC archives going back 70 years. That helps. And, like, has, like, yeah, like, I was just reading this New Yorker piece about his process, so. Um, fascinating guy. It's get, I think it's this weird thing where even if you... Um, I think you could believe in conspiracy theories or not and find something to pull on. uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's recap, shall we? We both recommend framing Britney Spears. 
which you can watch on Hulu. We both um, danced with my octopus teacher a little yeah. bit, and it, we recommend it. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Um, we both highly don't recommend Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. I say don't waste those four hours of your life. I'm glad I only wasted 10 minutes so far based on what you You're said. a smart man. Um, George recommends Crock of Gold, a few rounds with Shane McGowan. You don't have to be a Pogues fan or a Shane McGowan fan to enjoy it, right? I don't think so, but it, I mean, yeah, and then you'll just learn stuff about Ireland while you're watching it. So or the There we go. Yeah. Uh, fake famous sounds fun. It sounds fluffy, but fun. You recommend that? It's a fluffy, fun one, yeah. And the opposite of fluffy and fun is Alan versus Pharaoh. It feels like a duty as a as <laughs> as a as a, right. as a it's just sort of as someone who like, uh, is has been a like like this is a thing now when someone gets like publicly canceled uh, or whatever that people are like I was never a fan of that person I'm like we all have to deal with the we all were Woody Allen fans right yeah like, huge and and in in some way can it's hard to say how you can still be a Woody Allen fan knowing all this stuff but it's like it's right. kind of like it's that's why it's similar to the Michael Jackson doc in a way it's like it's ubiquitous you kind of like have to do some reckoning on your own so it's like as as someone who cares about the culture uh and and like how we deal with these kinds of stories in the culture i just you know feel like i have to watch it sure yeah i get it and then i uh, can't get you out of my head an emotional history of the modern world part one that's a that's like this is like a caveat right like i think you could get anything out of it but i don't know if you can i it's a it's a long haul and it's gonna be it's not gonna be to everyone's liking for sure right. it's like not a style that everyone can hang with that's that's a pick one if you got the time then. Yeah. If you got the time, check it out. But if not, you know, you don't have to it's not something that will like you'll miss out on it. You'll miss out on some water cooler conversations with me. And that's there you go. It. But you that's, know, that's about what this it. podcast is is water cooler that's conversations right. with Well, me. hit us up on Twitter if you've got any water cooler stuff. Actually, we've had a few people get a hold of us lately and be like, Have you guys watched this? Have you watched that? Yeah. You know, which is always fun. So keep sending us those. And join us on March first at one PM Pacific Standard Time on Twitch with a movie past where we curated some of our favorite documentaries to be played and you can comment and play along with us on that. Yeah. See you there. Yeah, see you there. All right. Bye. Bye.